This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 24th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The ability to plan for your own future without government impediment is what liberty is all about. When India's government suddenly called for everyone to exchange old cash for new cash, or watch that old cash be rendered worthless, the costs to average people in India were stark. Cato's Jim Dorn explains. So uh, Narendra Modi, the prime minister of India, uh, to the surprise of a billion people, uh, imposed a policy of turn in your cash and we will issue you new cash. And this was an attempt to do what? Control corruption somehow. Well, right. Uh, you had to turn in your 100 uh, rupee and 500 rupee notes, uh, so fairly small denominations. But these are important vehicles for, uh, you know, millions of people in, in, in India, especially the poor. It's a cash, cash society. So by calling in that, they were calling in about 86 percent of the value of currency uh, outstanding. And the purpose was uh, to basically go after uh, the so-called black money, money that was being handled in the uh, shadow economy, um, and also, uh, therefore, to end corruption. But the real problem with corruption is that India has a very low rating on the economic fee, uh, freedom schedule and also on the uh, corruption index. They have a, they're, they're highly corrupt. And the corruption stems from uh, overextension of government, politicization of economic life, uh, high taxes, lots of regulation. And the public officials are, are extremely uh, corrupt. They're, they're on the take for many different things. There's rent-seeking going on. So he thought, well, we'll just get rid of these uh, large denomination notes, uh, and this will force people basically to work above ground, which is uh, crazy because uh, unless you change the underlying institutions uh, and limit government, uh, you're not going to get rid of corruption. But what you did was impose substantial costs, even death on uh, many uh, people that had no alternatives. Uh, there is a, there was a story from the LA Times here. Uh, Usha Bonivad, a farm worker in Western India who underwent a heart operation as a teenager, began suffering from chest pains uh, last month. This is from earlier this month in January. A doctor advised the 26-year-old to seek heart valve surgery in the nearest major city, 200 miles away. She immediately ran into another problem, which was cash. So. Uh, and she died. Yeah, I mean, I mean, most of these transactions are made in cash. They depend, as I said, uh, India is is a cash society, cash-based society. Uh, uh, over eighty percent of the transactions are in cash. Uh, so, for people that don't don't have the the means to open up bank accounts, they don't even have banks uh, that they can go to. They don't have credit cards. They use cash. And uh, by denying people the use of cash, uh, you're denying them a livelihood. You're taking away a very important property right, uh, their expectation that they would be able to use the cash that the government prints. So this goes back to having the government have a monopoly on currency. Uh, if they had alternatives uh, and people that could went to uh, cyber currencies, maybe Bitcoin or uh, M-Pence or some other uh, uh, alternative, the government's blocked those alternatives, although it wants to introduce uh, more online payments and so forth. But this has nothing at all to do with corruption. Uh, and uh, of course, they want to get more tax revenue, as any government does. Uh, what's astonishing is that India is a democracy. Um, 
And they're supposed to have the rule of law, and people uh, are supposed to have some expectation that their currency is not going to be taken away from them. And, you know, Modi was, his speech when he announced this uh, toward the end of last year, uh, he addressed it, uh, dear brothers and sisters, uh, we have to sacrifice for the country, basically. And this is an exercise in credibility. Well, it's just the opposite. People have lost trust in government. Uh, there's even more corruption because local officials are hiding some of the new bills, taking them themselves rather than distribute them to uh, the general public. Just to give a sense of uh, what we're talking about here, by banning $500 and $1,000 rupee bills, that's, uh, according to the LA Times, 86% of the cash in circulation. That's right, uh, 86% of the value. And it's the, it's the 500 rupee and 1,000 rupee uh, notes, which, as we said, uh, are not worth very much. The 500 rupees about 750, and the 1,000 is about twice that amount. But they're widely used uh, in India. So in terms of, and if you're, if you're any good at corruption, you have already turned that cash into property or something else. Absolutely. Uh, people that w work in the shadow economy or the black market um, to evade taxes, uh, they're smart enough to figure out how to get uh, around this type of thing. Uh, and they, they don't hold those, those rupee notes, those large denomination rupee notes for a very long period of time. They, they might buy gold, they might uh, get other currencies, but uh, yeah, they're, they're not the ones that are going to be harmed, the, the ordinary uh, people. What Modi calls the common man. Uh, Modi thinks that this is going to be good for the common man. Uh, well, it's just the opposite. It's, it's been a disaster. India has a long history of, of problems separated by class. I mean, it, of, you know, they have very precise measures and precise names for groups of people in, in, in India. And, you know, for years ago, they deregulated these very high-flying sectors that uh, wealthy people wanted deregulated, but they haven't deregulated things that actually do affect uh, lower-income people like street vending and things like that. Right. That's absolutely true. Uh, the interesting thing is, is that India is going to issue uh, a 2,000 rupee note uh, along with a new 500 rupee note uh, to replace the old notes, uh, thinking that this will prevent counterfeiting and so forth. But when these new notes are distributed, the underground economy can use the new notes. So it's not like they're just banning cash. Uh, they're banning specific large denomination notes, but they're going to issue new notes. And that's the problem now. Those issuance of new notes uh, is, is taking place much more slowly in such a big country, especially in the rural areas uh, where they don't have access to banks and so forth, uh, that there's a huge cash shortage. Uh, people can't pay their workers, which they usually pay in cash. Uh, they can't do business. Even people that... Um, are living uh, abroad and send money back to India and so forth, uh, they were totally shocked and surprised by this as well because they were holding quite a, a large amount of rupees uh, for when they travel to India, and this upset their plans. So it, it's upset everybody's plans, um, and the bureaucrats uh, are trying to just push this down everybody's throats uh, and 
as I said, it's it's, it's costing the economy in terms of transactions costs and and unexpected uh, you know interruptions to the businesses uh, uh, a lot of money. But what it's costing more is it's causing uh, a huge loss of trust in the central bank of uh, the Reserve Bank of India. And working people uh, in India are compelled because of that lack of trust to take actions that they wouldn't otherwise take, and that's a huge waste of productivity. Absolutely. And uh, the Reserve Bank of India, which has been engineering this this demonetization, as they call it, uh, is changing the rules of the game almost twice a day. So people, they're putting limits on the amount of cash people can take out of the bank, uh, and therefore the new cash that's, that's coming in because of the shortages. Uh, and as a result, it's causing uh, chaos uh, because people just don't – it's totally uncertain, and uh, the rule of law has been violated, and it's uh, – now, Venezuela actually backed off of uh, their demonetization uh, because it was causing so much chaos, but they're going to go ahead with it. Venezuela is a totally different case, but we're going to focus on India. So it, just to sum up here, India is a massive bureaucratic state, and because you have these huge compliance costs associated with a massive bureaucratic state, there is a huge black market in all sorts of goods and services. And because there's a huge black market and all sorts of goods and services, the government wants to collect its tax revenue that it thinks it's entitled to. So they make it harder for people to do the things that they do in order to avoid dealing with the massive bureaucratic state. Yeah, they they act as if all black market activity is criminal activity. Well, it is, in in, in a sense. By definition. By definition. but it's not drug trade and everything else. Uh, it's everyday trade that there's all kinds of permits or licenses you need. It's hard, the cost of getting into business are high. So people, in order to survive, uh, start their own businesses and they use cash. And cash uh, provides anonymity. Uh, and they can e- evade taxes, let's say. And you should be able to trust it. Uh, yes. The uh, cash itself. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, what happened after this is, uh, you know, there was a bump up in Bitcoin. Uh, Now, the Indians weren't so much bumping it up. China's bumping it up because people want to get money out of China. So whenever you have capital controls or lack of economic freedom, that's when people try to get around things. And markets always work better than government uh, in terms of providing goods and services uh, that people want. Uh, but what the government's supposed to do is be a servant of the people, not to b- take their money away from them and tell them you can't uh, use cash because uh, you have to sacrifice for the greater good. Jim Dorn is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.